BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. host Tanner and this week we have a very special guest Dr. Donald Molnar. Oh sir how are you? I'm good I'm good thanks for having me on. I'm glad to have you on. So I've been like stalking your Instagram and <laughs> and you're like you're going into I've seen you post stuff about like near-death experiences. That's yeah really, yes. That's really that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so I think it's it's pretty cool. You know, I think near-death experience is is another way to kind of see if there's an afterlife, you know, besides doing paranormal investigating where you're looking for spirits in a location or wherever. I think with near-death experience, it's actually what happens is, you know, somebody is either really close to dying or they're actually been they're actually dead for a little bit where they don't have a, a pulse or they're not breathing. And what happens is they have these experiences where they're outside of their body and they have um, they can either have a whole series of things happen or just one or two things happen. Um, I've been posting on Instagram from this book that it's by uh, Dr. Jeffrey Long. He's a, a, a MD physician also and um, radiation oncologist. And 
he started getting interested in near-death experiences and started studying all these things. And he, dev- he uh, started this um, a research foundation called the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. There's actually a website online. And he started collecting all these stories from around the world. And he realized that around the world, you know, different age groups, different religions, that people seem to have the same kind of experiences. And he, he uh, ended up... Um, coming up with 12 different parts or elements to a near-death experience. And that's kind of what I've been redoing recently in the last week or two is kind of going piece by piece and just kind of talking about each one of those 12 pieces um, that, that Dr. Long came up with. But he's based his research off other folks. Um, Dr. Raymond Moody was another MD doc who kind of started this kind of kind of started or uh, kind of coined the term near-death experience back in the 1970s. And then, there's a guy, Dr. Bruce Grison. He's an MD at the University of Virginia. Um, that's actually University of Virginia in Charlottesville has a, um, a, a parapsychology, active parapsychology research program where they research people that have had near-death experiences and uh, assorted other things um, in parapsychology like ESP and mediumship and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but anyway, so what I've been doing in, on my Instagram, though, is kind of posting and talking about these 12 different phases of a near-death experience with the idea that the near-death experience that people seem to experience seems to support the idea that our consciousness or our soul leaves leaves our bodies when our body's either very close to death or is, is dead. And then with the near-death experience situation, people actually end up back in their body, their consciousness or soul ends up back in their bodies and they come back to life and they have these amazing stories to share. So that's kind of in a nutshell. I don't know how much you want me to, how much you want me to ramble on about it. <laughs> uh, and did they find out like not to face? Uh, is like depending on the culture the person is has has near death experience affect like their experiences. Interestingly, no. Interestingly, no. People still have. Oh, they still have the same. They have the same steps now. You know, one of the fa- one of the things that happens that can happen in a near-death experience is you may encounter like religious beings or deceased loved ones, but, you know, potentially depending on your religion, you may encounter maybe a a religious being that's specific to your religion. But even having said that, when they looked across um, different um, nationalities, different countries, even different religions, for the most part, people seem to have the same steps. Like when they got in the presence of an all encompassing or all, knowing being like you know like a godlike figure then it was that same kind of feeling that people had in one country versus another country and the the idea of leaving the body and you know everything being brilliant colors and all that kind of stuff so it turned out that across religions and countries that people seem to be having the same experiences the other thing that was interesting was kids little kids seem to have similar experiences with their near-death experiences compared to adults so it's very interesting it seems to be something very similar that's happening across countries and religions and also across age groups pretty interesting yeah yeah so you know from a so it's uh, it's another way to kind of approach the idea of you know do spirits exist is there an afterlife you know you know, you know, one way we do it is by doing the paranormal investigating, which I do too. But then also the flip side is the academic stuff that they're looking at these near-death experiences. And one of the things I kind of want to try to do more is kind of bring those together, like bring this scientific academic research 
try to bring it in with the with the paranormal research that you know that people are doing and you know the the ghost investigations and all those kind of things and trying to maybe make some kind of hybrid where we can co- combine our knowledge because you know we're all kind of we're both working towards the same goal just from different angles <laughs> yeah you know so yeah like at least uh, like apply the scrutiny of like academic scrutiny to like paranormal investigations right right exactly exactly yeah because i'm like sometimes like paranormal investigators be like oh i've been there one night and i heard some noises like there's definitely ghosts there and we know like no we gotta do like multiple times and test different things yes no you're right yeah yeah i agree with you 100 yeah you need to kind of go back or even spend spend a few nights there but even then that's probably not enough you need to kind of go back and you know and several and times ha- and someone has to come and do it again do what you did again and try to replicate what you did and see if they get the same results exactly yes 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 that's great what's that thing what's that like what's that one um gland or whatever in the brain that like produces dmt Oh, the pineal gland? Yes. Yeah, yes. So, really- yeah. You want me to talk about that a little bit? or? Yeah. So, you know, the the pineal gland, you know, people consider it to be like the third eye. And one of the, one of the ways, one of the reasons it kind of came about is, is possibly being a, a third eye. Well, partly from, you know, his historical stories passed through time and all, you know, and, you know, from... Um, medium type folks and psychic type folks that the third eye is the pineal gland well the pineal gland is a it's a light sensitive organ in our brain it's real small at the kind of the base of our brain and um it kind of helps regulate like our night and day cycles um and uh if you look at the cells of the pineal gland some of the cells that make up the pineal gland are very similar to the the retinal cells that we have in the back of our eyes so they don't have that I mean, they, you know, they, they can't see like the retinal cells, but their their makeup or their composition is very similar to the retinal cells. So that's kind of where it got to be this. Well, maybe it's his third eye. And then also the whole idea with DMT and, you know, and how and melatonin and all those, how it regulates our, our sleep and all that kind of stuff. Now, the tricky thing with DMT and in humans is. It hasn't. We they haven't found it for sure in the human pineal gland. They found it in other in other uh, in, in other um, animals like rodents and rats and stuff like that. They found DMT in the pineal gland, but it, when it comes to humans, they haven't been able to isolate it yet. So it's kind of it's kind of a hypothesized that that some of the paranormal experiences that people go have or they experience could be related to dmt in the pineal gland um one of the things south america i'm going to say this wrong i always say wrong is the uh alawashka it's like yeah. A, yeah have you heard of that yeah so that's supposed yeah. to that's supposed to kind of have the same effects as like what the what your dmt would have in, in your pineal gland so um so yeah so that's thought to be the third eye because of that whole dmt thing and the fact that the pineal some of the cells in there um are, you know, are similar to the, the retinal cells in the back of our eyes. And then the, the pineal gland does seem to be sensitive. Like when we, when we see daylight that sends signals back to our pineal gland, that kind of controls our sleep wake cycles and all that. So, so yeah, so that's kind of the whole thing with the pineal gland and 
and all that. And then there's some theories too that as we get older, our pineal gland gets calcified or it'll start forming calcium around it. And some people theorize that, you know, when we're baby or when people are, well, when there's babies and young children, they seem to be much more open to experiencing paranormal spirits and those kind of things. You always hear about little toddlers seeing something or talking to something, you know, their pineal glands haven't been calcified and they're still pretty, you know, still pretty uh, new and all that. So it's thought that, you know, that as we get older, we get this calcium buildup that maybe that's part of the reason why as we get older as adults that we may lose some of that ability, some of our paranormal abilities and all that. So that's another theory too. Um, so yeah, that's the pineal gland. That's really interesting. It's pretty small, pretty small in the, in the base of the brain. I guess it like it, I guess we evolved that to like stay awake during the, like <clears throat> keep track of our sleep and stuff. Right, right, right. For our, our rhythm, like our day, you know, our circadian rhythms, your day and light cycles. And, you know, if you look at fish, they actually have a thing on top of their heads that kind of have that, kind of have a, like a, like an opening for the pineal gland or like a covering for the pineal gland and all that. So, so yeah. So in humans, it's still, when you look at, I mean, if you look at it scientifically and, you know, in, in anatomy physiology kind of standpoint, it hasn't really been shown to, to have some link to like pair, you know, like paranormal experiences um, but it is, it's definitely tied to our, our sleep cycles. Like mel- when you take, if you take melatonin to help you sleep, you know, pineal gland normally makes melatonin. So, you know, so, you know, when you take extra melatonin, that helps you sleep, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyways, that's kind of the, the, kind of the whole idea with pineal gland. I'm not sure, you know, it seems like there, there might be something to it. Um, I still got to do a little more research about the, the paranormal link to all that. Um, so yeah, that's the pineal gland. Uh, how's your investigations going in paranormal well you know right now i haven't done a whole lot with the covid going on and all that stuff and um i kind of unofficially i kind of like sneaks well i don't i don't sneak it i bring stuff (laughs) i bring stuff to where i work and every now and then i'll try to see if i catch something at work because our in our um our office where we're so I, so I work as a hospital-based doctor, so we don't have an office where we see patients. We just have an area where we kind of come in to set our stuff down. You know, we have computers that kind of look through all the patient information. But in that area there where, where we congregate, there seems to be a lot of activity with lights turning on. And I think I posted on Instagram my the paper towel dispenser running. So so I try to catch stuff when, you know, I kinda, you know when I'm working, I'm like, I'll set up a quick little camera and just see if I catch anything. And um, so I've been doing that um, um, you know, from time to time. And then, uh, I'm supposed to go, you know, the Hinsdale house, Hinsdale house up in New York. It's the, it's an old farmhouse, a small little farmhouse that was supposed to have a, like an evil thing there. And they did an exorcism and all that. Did you heard of that? Have you heard of Hinsdale up in New York? I might've like read it in passing. I was doing New York an episode. Yeah. So anyways, I'm going up there uh, April. Uh, I'm supposed to go up there April 22nd through the 24th with some uh, some friends of mine down here in Virginia. We're going to drive up there. Um, but it's so the Hinsdale house. It's uh it's been on a lot of the shows. Like um, Nick Roth went there with his when he was doing the um, paranormal lockdown. And then I think I don't know if Ghost Adventures went there too. It's been on several of the shows though. It's a small farmhouse up in uh, 
up in uh, like northern New York up there. And I can't even think. I don't know if it's is it Hinsdale. If it's Hinsdale, New York. I can't think what the actual town is. It might be Hinsdale. Anyways, it's this farmhouse. And supposedly there was an evil entity there, and they did an exorcism. And supposedly there's still something bad there. Um, a lot of folks go, kind of go up there and see what's going on, and they think that some of the activity related to the activity in the house may be tied to the land. I think it was Native American land before all that. So there's supposedly the land has the land and the property has activity, but then also the house has activity. And um, so yeah, so that's the Hensdale house. We're supposed to go do that on uh, April 24th. Um, and then I I tag team with a lot. Of, I try to tag team with uh, different different groups. So kind of when I started doing paranormal investigation, I started out with a team and then in May of uh, 2018, I decided to kind of do my hot on MD thing where I just kind of do my, my own thing. I can do small investigations on my own, um, but I usually end up tag teaming and be like a consultant and helping out different teams. But I help out this one uh, group called lunar paranormal and uh, we do uh, local stuff in Virginia and, you know, kind of in the, up by um, going towards Harrisonburg and the Charlottesville area. So, we're looking at doing some investigations um, probably like in May and all that stuff. So um, try to think of my last investigation. What did I do last? Um, I think the last thing I did was in early December, we had a, we did a, I did help with a public event. I was a guest speaker and then we had a public investigation at this place called um, the exchange hotel in Gordonsville, Virginia. Have you heard of that one at all before? Exchange Hotel. That's a partner over. So that's a so that's in Gordonsville, Virginia, and that's it's a, like a it's, it's like by a railroad place. Yeah, yes, yeah. It's a civil. It was a Civil War hospital. It was well, it started out as a hotel in an inn, and then during the Civil War, it became a Civil War hospital. And there was like, it was a yeah, it was a receiving hospital. So there was like tens of thousands of people that were there and you know people died and you know they did a lot of different surgeries and stuff there so it's actually a pretty active place um so i did a public investigation there we had we had a lot of different stuff happen we had you know rem pods going off and you know you know all that you know evps and spirit box (laughs) you name it you know so we had all that stuff going off that was right before i actually had hip surgery on december 12th now or december sorry december 10th and that was right before I had my surgery. Um, we did that. So, but yeah, Virginia's. Where Where are you based out of? I'm Tennessee. Yeah, I bet you like, Tennessee has some good stuff. Yeah, like every like all states down south, like are probably pretty active with the Civil War. Yes. Yeah, the battlefield. Anything that seems to be tied to battlefield or Civil War stuff. But Virginia, this area where I live, where my Charlottesville, and just tons of stuff, man. Everywhere you go, there's this activity. So, and then there were even like Revolutionary War too. We got a lot of, um, oh, like Revolutionary War stuff too. Cause like what Charlottesville, you know, was the home of Thomas Jefferson. And so we have all that, yeah. we have all that James Madison's not too far down the road. And so we got all this Revolutionary War, Native American history, plantation history. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, oh, what kind of stuff did you get on the spirit box? So this, I'm trying to think of spirit box we would get um we would get people saying names like you know saying their names or yes and no um my now this is a different location the the 
team I work with called Lunar Paranormal. The, the lady in charge of that is called Cherie Breeden. And she uses this, instead of using like an SB7, she uses a Radio Shack hack Ooh. box. And it really, I'm impressed. And I think it, I think sometimes when it comes to spirit box and any of those things, it's kind of person dependent because when I use a spirit box, I don't get much out of it. But when she uses this radio shack hack, she gets like these amazing responses. We do this house up in, it's in Elk in Elkton, Virginia, E L K T O N Virginia. And it's called Miller kite house. And I've actually, I've posted some things on, on, on that, I think on Instagram. And, um, she, we use this box and we get like crazy responses. Like, you know, with, we've had communication with Stonewall Jackson, believe it or not. Oh, you know, yeah, it'll say, it'll be, it'll say, you know, Stonewall or, you know, it said my, it said my name several times. Yes, no. Um, angels. One time we were at the Miller Kite. We've done Miller Kite house uh, several times. Miller Kite um, dates back to before the Civil War. But during the Civil War, it actually was Stonewall Jackson's command headquarters for a few, like a week or two, I think. And um, so it has a bunch of Civil War history there. So, but. Uh, Hello there. It's me, Tanner. I'm here to tell you about a great Twitch channel, G1 Game Days. They're a variety channel. They play a variety of games. And currently, they're working on raising money for Extra Life charity. They have a podcast where they talk about video game movies and, re- and they review them. They also are starting a video game book club where they're going to start playing the outer wilds right now currently as i'm recording this they're playing fall guys on the crowd control night there's um, a whole bunch of hosts there and they're really nice and great people so i hope you take the time to at least check out the channel at twitch.tv forward slash g1 underscore game days and if you enjoyed what you see, um, give them a follow. And if you want to support what to do, um, consider subscribing. Thank you. So we've we've investigated there several times, and one time it said through the spirit box it said angels. We're like, what? Did you say angels? And again, it says yes. How many angels are here? Like three or four. <laughs> so it was really kind of crazy. And then that same that same Miller Kite House. We, you know, caught figures on the SLS camera. We've used those cat toys, you know, where the you touch them and they go off. We've had that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But sorry, go ahead, man. I'm just rambling on. <laughs> what you got? Oh, man. With the spirit box, Cherie, she uses, like I said, the shack hack. And I can't, I'm just blown away by the, because I'm always a little skeptical. But the responses we get through there are amazing, like, you know, once they, they figure out, you know, if we, you know, when they know I'm a doctor, they'll start talking about medical stuff or they need help or, you know, what can I do to help you? And sometimes we use that as a trigger, like I'm a doctor from Charlottesville. What can I do to help you? And, you know, and they'll say sick or hurting or things like that through the spirit box. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. 
Man. That's the it's like bother it's like bother you that like they're hurt, um, hurting as a doctor. Like they're in trouble and hurting and like you can't do nothing about it really. You sure. you do feel you do feel bad because you think once you've passed away that you're at peace, right? You think that you're not suffering anymore. So it is concerning that if they need help or they're or if they're still hurting in the afterlife, that's concerning. Um. So yeah, yeah, it is it is tough, and then you know, you, yeah, what can you really do to help them? Um. Except try to listen to them and tell them they're it's okay and things like that. I think one of the interesting things with the spirit box is. It says my name a lot, like Don. You know, yeah. my, you know, my name's my first full name is Donald, but I don't know People call me Don, yeah. Although I've gotten Donald a couple of times too, but it's weird. I'll hear my name frequently, and it, and you can tell with the spirit box, it's interesting because you can tell it's like something coming through the spirit box. It's not like something on the radio, like a radio station. You can tell that there's a character to the voice when you when you hear. It say my name, but you could tell that something's talking separate from the radio station folks. You know, it's like some kind of like a spooky voice coming through the white noise or whatever. So, but I get my name a lot. And that always freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <that works. laughs> it's like, why are you calling me? I could never been here before. I know my name. It's crazy. Yeah. Now, do you do you do investigations yourself? Uh. I can't. It's like work and stuff. It's I'm too busy at work. Oh wow. What do you do for what do you do for work? I'm a I work at a warehouse. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, really. it's hard it's it's hard to break free sometimes, that's for sure. Especially now with COVID. It's hard to you know, you gotta be yeah. so careful with everything. Yeah, everything's like closed off and you gotta be careful. You gotta be smart. Yes, yes, yes. So have you ever seen um, like any like cryptids? Have I seen cryptids or or? Yeah, or heard of any? So I haven't I haven't seen any, but I am. I'm kind of thinking that I'm kind of thinking Bigfoot's a real deal. Um, mm. I'll tell you about some of the experience I had. Um, so, kind of growing up. Um, my dad was always really into kind of paranormal stuff. He was into like UFOs and Bigfoot and ghosts and things like that. And my mom was pretty open to like ghosts and spirits and angels and things like that. So, you know, I always had kind of had this bond with my, especially with my dad about these Bigfoot things. But we used to go fishing as I got, you know, a little bit older, like, you know, nine, 10 to the time I was a teenager and, and all that kind of stuff. But we, so I'm from Ohio. I live in Virginia now. You know how Ohio is. Ohio is like the it's like the hotbed of Bigfoot sometimes. Yeah. So we went fishing in this place. It was called Turtle Creek. It was in between Toledo and Sandusky. Actually, interestingly, it was close to this. Uh, I think it was David Betsy nuclear plant. You know, and all this other stuff. But anyway, so we went fishing up there, and it's basically Turtle Creek is a it's it, it's a off of an inlet from Lake Erie. So Lake Erie comes into like a little inlet, then it forms this river and they call it the turtle creek and we had went there we had fished there before and uh it was me and my dad and my dad's friend and it was in the evening time actually dark time and started hearing like all this noise across the across the water from us now it was probably about probably about 40 yards 40 30 40 yards across this water but and it was woods across so it was like woods on the other side and 
and you could you could walk over there if you wanted to. It was just a long hike to kind of get over there. And uh, we were fishing, and you could hear this like rustling around in the in the trees and stuff. And, uh, and then you saw like a kind of see like a tall shadowy thing stand up. And then all of a sudden, like this big rock goes flying across the water about halfway across towards us. Yes. And then I looked at my dad and my dad looked at me and I could tell my dad was kind of spooked by it. And my dad was a big guy. He was like six, three, you know, two He had been a he was a steel worker. He's actually he passed away like in 1994, but he was a steel worker, you know, a hunter. You know, he was he was, just, you know. He didn't get afraid of things too much, too easily. So I looked at him and he was kind of rattled by it a little bit, but then we kind of kept fishing and probably like, you know, 20, 30 minutes later, this happened again, where he actually kind of heard some grunting this time, kind of like, rrr, rrr, rrr. and, uh, and then, uh, all of a sudden another big rock was flying across and now, you know, it wasn't like a boulder, but it was probably like rocks the size of like a softball or maybe even like a like a like a like a small kickball and it was there are big rocks though and you know and it was hard and it was hard to believe that if it was a human over there that the human could be throwing these things you know and it didn't seem like a person right the way it was behaving and it seemed from what you could kind of see in the shadows it seemed to be pretty tall um so anyways that happened again at this point my dad looked at me and my dad's friend was like kept chit chatting and didn't realize what was going on. So right away, my dad's like, "Hey, it's time to leave." So, yeah. so he was like freaked out. So we packed the car up and we got the hell out of there. But, um, but that was one that was one instance. Um, another instance we I had probably around that same time period, maybe within a, a year or two of that time period, was we were fishing by Sandusky. There's this place called Rest Haven. Uh, I think it's I think it's still Rest Haven. It's a, it's a wildlife reserve. So you could fish on fishing season. You could do hunting. They had like quail and, you know, pheasant and stuff like that there and um, all kinds of little scattered ponds and stuff, kind of like where you think you'd find Bigfoot. You know, it was like a perfect area for like, you know, fish and all kinds of wild animals, turkeys and things like that, geese. But anyway, so we were fishing, me and my dad and the same friend of his, and um, we had picked out a little one of the little reservoir lakes and we were fishing there and i decided to kind of go off my own i think it was like 14 15 somewhere around there and i always wanted to kind of have my own spot right i didn't want to be by my dad and his friend yeah. and so i had kind of went off down the shoreline a little bit kind of close to the woods and i was sitting there fishing and i started hearing rustling around in the woods and um started hearing this grunting again it was like rrr, rrr, rrr. I was kind of, what the heck? <laughs> what is that? And this kind of went on for a little bit, and I was kind of getting scared. I was about ready to kind of go closer to my dad, and all of a sudden, something let out a yell. It's like your Bigfoot yells, right? You hear on TV. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I am not. I'm not BSing you, man. And I'm from. I'm always. What? I'm always skeptical. But this yell was like, you know, like the the, and. This was another uh, this was another uh, situation where my dad, I could tell, was really frightened because at that point we loaded up the car. And it was funny because my dad's friend didn't know what was going on. Um, he, My dad's like, come on, we got to we just threw everything in the back of it. We actually had a pickup truck this time threw everything in the back of the pickup truck. And my dad's friend's like, what's going on? What's going on? He goes, just get in the car. <laughs> so we got the hell out of there, too, man. That was that was crazy, though, because I didn't see anything. But I could hear something in the woods, man. And there was that yell came out. It's like what you hear, that you know, like the Sasquatch kind of thing. Did you smell anything? No, I didn't smell anything. But you could hear something rustling around in there. 
For sure. So, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. I've been scared. I've been like, yeah, let's get, the, let's get out of here. Yeah. And then so, <clears throat> so then skip ahead to now, um, about, I'm trying to think, man, about, what's this? This is 21, 15, 14, about six years ago. Um, I was living in a house in Keswick, Virginia. I had been living in Charlottesville in an apartment, moved out to a house in Keswick, which is a little bit east of Charlottesville. And it was kind of in a wooded area. It was a, it was a housing development that had started to become like a big development, but then the, the housing, the housing bubble burst and people stopped. Oh, yeah. Building. yeah. People stopped building. So there was a lot of woods in this area. And, um, and uh, it was just a small little development. It was probably like maybe 30 houses, 20 to 30 houses back in this little area they had started carving out. So it was kind of out in the woods, um, a little bit isolated. Um, we had moved in there. One night I was putting out Christmas lights in our, in the, on the bushes, and I started hearing like this noise across the street in the woods. And I was like, what in the hell is that in the woods? It, you know, and there were some little kids thought they had seen a bear in the neighborhood like a year before. Um, so I didn't know if it was a bear, what's going on. I didn't see anything. And it was, our yard was pretty big. So it was, you know, it was, I didn't get a chance to really smell anything, but I was curious. So I went ahead and I took a, I had a baseball bat and I hit on a tree twice. And wouldn't you know it, something knocked back at me. Oh, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I was oh. half, I was half excited, but I was half afraid. <laughs> I was like, what in the hell? So something knocked back. So I knocked twice like, on the tree. And then right away, something knocked back twice. And I don't think it was a person. It was, seemed like it was coming from the woods. Now, I mean, it could have been something in the woods messing around. I don't know. But something knocked back. So that was the beginning of it. So that yeah. was a – Yeah. Like, even, even if it was a person, it, it's still pretty weird to somebody, like, hang out in the woods. Yes. Right. And the houses, they were bigger houses. And they had, like – they were the kind of houses that had – we had, like, an acre and a half – of a property so all these all these houses were like kind of spread apart and there was it was just it was weird so i don't know man it seemed like something knocked back and then so that kind of started this whole thing so we we lived in that house um it was with my ex-wife i got ended up getting divorced and all that stuff and moved back to charlottesville um but so that so we lived there for about three four years so there was a back deck that looked out to the backyard and our backyard went kind of went most of the yard was in the back and the side of the house. So the, it, the backyard went down and sloped down. There was some trees, but most of it was cleared off. But the woods was like right across the street from our from our house and actually around the corner from our house, too. Anyways, I was out in the garage one day. It was it was nighttime and I looked out in the backyard. And this gives this gives me the chills right now. There was two red eye, two red lights that look like eyes somewhat pretty somewhat far apart not close like a human's eyes but kind of far apart but it had to be pretty tall because our backyard sloped down so these these uh red lights or what appear to be eyes were it had to be standing pretty tall because mm. the the slope of the yard was so it went down like it had to be about eight feet or, or nine feet tall, <laughs> whatever it was, unless it was something in the tree. But it, it looked like it, it actually it gave me the chills, man. I actually ran back in the house. Then I came back out and it was gone. But uh, it was these two just 
red looking lights that were I, you know, like, like you know, side by side, a little farther apart than a human, but you know, out there in, uh, in our backyard, way in the backyard. And then, so that freaked me out. And then uh, I used to, I smoke a cigar every now and then. I used to sit on our deck and smoke cigars. And um, every now and then I would just go, whoop. I would just do that for the hell of it. Because at this point I'm thinking, something's going on around here. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I go, whoop. And wouldn't you know it? Every well, now and I... then. Yes. Yes. Oh, and then the other thing I would do was the, you know, the cheek pop. You go, with that cheek yeah. popping thing. I would do that and I would get that back too. So I started getting freaked out, man. I was like, well, not, well, not really. I wouldn't say I'd be excited, but scared, you know, like you want to know, but I'm like, this is crazy to get responses back and forth like that. So, yeah, so that, that was over in Keswick. And then the interesting thing too was every now and then I would go for a jog. And like I said, the, when you got out of the development, it was pretty woodsy. I remember I was jogging on, on the road and, and, and it was woods on both sides I kind of looked off into the distance of the, in these woods and you could see like what appeared to be like almost like a tree structure. There was branches woven together like a, like a, like something like a, you know, it was like not natural. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a formation from the wind or something that happened yeah. natural. It was like something had weaved these branches together. So when I started putting it all together with this tree structure, these eyes, the wood knocks, the, the whoops, you know, and all this crazy stuff. I started thinking, I think there was Bigfoot out there. Yeah. So that's my Bigfoot stories. That's really interesting. <laughs> but, you know, I'm always being a science guy. I really got to convince myself, you know, I'm always got that little bit of skepticism. You're like, ah, you know, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. There's just somebody out there. We'll open back at you. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you that. Those red lights, I'm going to call my eyes, man. I'm going to say the red eyes. That was, that was really, that was, that was, that was creepy, man. That was creepy. I think what could be, oh, I kind of like what could be up in the trees with red eyes. Yeah, I don't in know. Virginia. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I guess you could have a bear, but I don't, I don't think bears have red eyes like that. I don't think so. I even went so the next day I went out and looked for footprints. I didn't find any footprints or anything, but well, that's it. yeah, but the ground it wasn't it hadn't been it was dry, you know it was yeah. kind of that that dry dirt. So there, it wasn't really anything to, for anything to put their feet in, you know, like a footprint into. But that was yeah, I don't know, man. I there was it had to <laughs> it had to be eyes. I don't know what else it could have been. Do you ever see like a big cat like cougars in Virginia? No, I haven't. I I haven't seen anything here in Tennessee, like big cats or anything, but sometimes we see like a bobcat in the forest, like once in a while. Yeah, well, yeah, I've seen a bobcat, but not any big cats, no. I've seen bears. There's yeah, definitely bears. Yeah, we live, I live close to the Blue, the Blue Ridge Mountains, so there's, we, I see bears occasionally, even from the highway. So. Like, like last year, one bear came like walking through a little town. Oh really? Yeah, just hanging out by the bank. What they do about it? Just let them do his thing, let them go by. Wow. Yeah, I went to uh, this is a long time ago. I went to uh, we went to Pigeon Forge. Oh yeah. And uh, rented rented a cabin, and we had uh, we had went out, went in the town, 
came back and um what do we have i wonder that we didn't have a van we had our i think it was a durango i had my durango then and um i had the car parked so i couldn't see the road you know so i came out of the cabin and the car they were, so we pulled in you get out of the car go into the cabin and the car was kind of blocking the road the main road where the cabins were at and i came out we were bringing stuff into the into the cabin and i came out and all the neighbors were on their porches mm. and i was like what the hell is going on so i just didn't think anything about it i'm like ah oh, they must maybe just hanging out because it was the evening time and uh they're like there's a bear i'm like what mm. i couldn't see it because of the car they're like there's a bear and I was like, I started laughing. And I'm like, I thought they were just joking because they were on their porch drinking beer and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, you guys are just messing with me, man. Sure enough, there was this big old bear on the other oh. side. It was on the passenger side of the car in the road. And um, I saw it. I just ran. I just ran as fast as I could back into the house. <laughs> oh. It was a big mama bear. And here she was there with a couple of her cubs. Oh, no, that's not good. Yeah, because what happened was the bears ended up hanging out around the around the ca- around the cabins, trying to get into the trash cans and things like that. Because we were able to see the bears looking out the window from our cabin once once I got back in the house. But the mama bear was huge, man. It was a huge bear. I was like, holy cow! Oh my god! I'm not going to school. You never seen a person run so fast, man. I was yeah. like, yeah, I'll be. Yeah, I'm like after watching like, what's it called? What's that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio when you got attacked by the bear? Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the name of it though. Um, Reverend or something like that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're not pets. Bear. What's? Yeah, it's not a cop. It's not, uncommon to see bear, it's not uncommon to see bears up around, especially in the Blue Ridge. Um, I've had a lot of friends, even my, my girlfriend now that I live with, um, they've seen bears and stuff like that, too. So it's not uncommon on some of the hiking trails. you got to be careful um, up along the Blue Ridge Blue Ridge Trail and the skyline. you got to be careful looking out for bears, things like yeah, that. They're, so, yeah, they're, like, they're all over the Smokies and I think yeah. pretty much all through the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah. everybody I just want to tell you about my um website cozycrypto.com where you can find um everything about web episodes and where to reach me and ask questions and submit stories also if you want to help support the show there's some merchandise like t-shirts hoodies uh water bottles penny packs whatever tickles your fancy hope you enjoy it and please uh, ask me some questions. Ask me some, submit some stories. I want to do some uh, listener episodes. So hit me up. Yeah. I don't. I wonder why. Um, like you can't hear like with like spirit boxes. Like 
you hear voices through the spirit box, but you don't hear it yourself. I wonder, like, what's that? I always wonder what that's about. And sometimes people hear it, they hear it, they do hear it without the spirit box, you know, during a paranormal investigation. Right. You know, I, I don't know. It's a good question. I actually was trying to, I was trying to experiment. I, did, I was going to post it and I didn't post it yet. I bought a, um, I bought a small guitar amplifier and I got a microphone and what I was doing was putting the microphone with a, with a little amplifier and just cranking that amplifier up, you know, so it's pretty loud or so it has a good pickup to it Yeah. to see, you know, see if you can get something to interact with that microphone. So I'm going to try that out more. I tried it at the office um, over this weekend when I was working. I didn't really catch anything on it, but it's a good question because I've kind of heard, I've heard them all, right? I've heard, I've been on investigations where I've heard people screaming. I hear a scream or you hear uh a voice with your own ears real time. I've heard stuff through the spirit box, obviously Then I've caught, you know, pretty good EVPs, but yeah, it's kind of weird. Like it's weird. Why at sometimes you could pick up real time audio stuff. Other times it has to go through the spirit box and then other times it's EVP. I'm not quite sure how to explain that. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a, if it's the energy that a, that a spirit can generate you know, th th does it take a lot of energy to make something that's audible to us without having a device? You know, is it less energy to talk to a spirit box? Is it, you know, is it, is it even less energy for an EVP? Um, is that what you're kind of asking? Um, maybe it's like a like different frequencies or something like that. It could be, yeah, it could be too. And I know some people think that there's some theories that the stuff that we hear real time might be residual you know yeah, like, like like people hear gunshots like if you go to a battlefield you hear cannon fire you hear gunshots sometimes you hear screaming and stuff like that that that's you can hear that because it's like residual that just plays over and over again um and then the other stuff is more intelligent like you know with the spirit box interactions and the and the evps tend to be intelligence so i don't know there's some kind of I don't know how that all makes sense, but yeah, it does. You ever, do you ever heard of um, stone tape theory? No, no. What is that? It's um basically like the stones, like in like for castles, for instance, like how castles are made of like stones, and they're usually pretty haunted because like oh, oh yes, yes, and like they record basically record <clears throat> events or spirits or whatever you want to call it into the into the stones and so basically when you're around it, it like the residual energy you like you will experience right no i know what you're talking about now yeah and they talk about like quartz like certain kinds of stones you like quartz or different mineral minerals or different kind of stones are more likely to store the energy than other ones like i, I for some reason quartz comes to my mind like you know and that's actually interesting too I was thinking about that whole Bigfoot thing in my house in Keswick, Virginia. We had a lot of quartz rocks, like in our in our like in our dirt. I wonder oh. if that like fueled some of the paranormal, like with you know big Bigfoot's you know a paranormal type thing. I wonder if that fueled some of that. But anyway, sorry, man. But yeah, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like certain like stones, especially certain kind of minerals, are supposed to potentially um, store the energy more than others. That's interesting. 
Yeah. It's gonna like it's gonna like take different stones and like see, I don't know. Like experiment. That's like one experiment. Yeah, it's actually a good idea. <laughs> take some quartz and see, you know, if in, in different ones like that. Well, you know, the whole idea with crystals, you know, different crystals are supposed to have different protections and different energies and things like that. I I don't know. I'm definitely not an expert in that. <laughs> so I don't know. I gotta always ask people like what crystal do should you use? And but the whole idea of crystals, you know, the crystals are just they're stones essentially. Yeah. You know, from the earth. But um hmm. I'll say like a better word like we talk about like energy with like paranormal stuff, but like I'll say like a better word because it's for it. It's not like, you know what I mean? Because energy is kind of like a, it's broad. It's a broad, kind of broad. Yeah, term. it is. Well, I think one of the theories that I, I started reading and I got to read some more on it is about vibration, that everything's vibrations. Even when you look at like atomic structures, like, you know, the atoms and the different parts of atoms, that everything has a vibration to them and that it's believed that you know, that even like our souls or our consciousness has a vibration to it and then all this other stuff and that all living matter and even, you know, potentially spirits have different vibrations. And that's the key to it all is, you know, the finding the vibration where they're existing in and things like that. So, so maybe vibrations is a different way to look at it. Because um, vibrations, you know, vibrations are different you know are what are frequencies i mean are you know a vibration can be different frequencies and frequencies are what make up different energies so yeah it kind of translates that um you know paranormal things may be more at a different you know a different vibration or a certain vibration compared to other things and all that if that makes any sense but there was this book i started reading and i i kind of I kind of died out on it, but I got to read it, finish reading it. Is uh, it's called the Resonance Key, and it's all about the vibration of everything, like living and potentially paranormal vibrations and things like that. Sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah. This key. Zero by Larry Flaxman and Marty Jones. Is that it? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which kind of makes sense. Yeah, because even like on a subatomic particle, everything's like got a little bit of vibration to it, and that's kind of what is the key to everything. Yeah, like string, like string theory is like yeah, yeah, like pretty like crazy, like like everything's like a particle, not particles. Everything's like like you're saying, like everything's like a vibration frequency, and that depends on what it is, yes. kind of atom, and kind of whether it's um. Atomic, oh, uh, fucking trying to say this so, like, being boring about it, but like, uh, <laughs> like everything's, um, like positive, negative energy, right? Right. Well, even like, you know, like, I think what you're kind of getting at too is the whole idea of the quantum physics and all that. Quantum physics and, you know, quantum physics looks at the different, um, the different energies of all the, the different particles and then. You know, and and the all the little small particles that make up the bigger particles and all that kind of stuff, and 
you know, then the, the energy field. So, you know, with quantum physics, you're looking at the field energy fields around particles and the particles and all that. And a lot of people believe that the answers to does our consciousness survive and how does it survive kind of goes back into the whole idea of quantum physics and string theory. And then even the whole idea of like many universes, like many parallel universes that, you know, that there's a universe that we live in now, but then when we die, our consciousness lives on in a different dimension or a different universe, you know, and, and all that kind of thing. So there's this whole idea of intersecting universes and quantum physics and all that kind of stuff. So they're, they're getting, you know, they're getting closer to trying to explain, you know, how is it possible that, that our consciousness or soul can survive after we pass away. And, um, it seems to be, you know, with quantum physics, it seems like we're getting closer and closer to some answers or at least an explanation of how that could happen and yeah. all that. So are, are they still like trying to, uh, last time I looked, I like look into it. They were trying to like pinpoint like what exactly consciousness is and where it comes from. And you're like, uh, it's, uh, I'm not, we're not really sure. We're, we're kind of still working on it. Right. Well, that's, yeah, well, it's, it's hard to pin it down. And, you know, that kind of circles back around what we were talking before about near-death experiences is, you know, with a near-death experience, near-death experience kind of suggests that there's a part of us that lives on after our body dies. And that part that lives on is our consciousness, which was our, you know, which is, our personality, our, our knowledge and all that kind of stuff that that's energy. You know, the whole idea, it goes back to the, you know, with Einstein, the Einstein and the E equals MC squared, you know, that you can't, you know, matter and energy just go back and forth. You don't, you can't really destroy, you can't make new stuff and you can't really destroy stuff. Yeah. So it just, it just changes phases. So it goes from being solid to energy. So that's the whole idea with, consciousness is that our energy has to live on after we die because you have this you know humans seem to have this energy and even like we'll even think pets too have the con you know that's some consciousness that, that's able to live on after we die so that energy or that the energy of our consciousness has to go somewhere so the question is where does it go um after the body dies and that's kind of where we think it goes out to the, potentially goes out to these other universe or another dimension something with that we can't perceive and that dimension or other universe it might be all around us but we just can't perceive it um because we don't have the abilities to but yeah so they're still trying to decide mm -hmm. is there consciousness or not and that's kind of the whole thing that's going on now with this with parapsychology and the academic side of things trying to prove that the consciousness lives on like ghosts, I think a ghost could be like a, a shadow of our consciousness. Like, does that make sense? Um, does that makes sense at all. Like, so if we, so if we say, so if we say we are, if we say we have a consciousness or soul that survives, then that has to be what ghosts are. Well, it's at least spirits, right? I guess it kind of depends. You know, some people, you gotta, I guess, define a ghost and a spirit. You know, some people say ghosts are, are energy from us that hasn't that hasn't left the earth that's still you know here on the earth and hasn't gone to the afterlife and some ghosts can be residual and some are are, are are you know more intelligent then there's the idea that there's spirits that have actually that are our consciousness that have crossed to the afterlife but can come back so but i guess no matter how you look at it you, you could be a ghost that hasn't gone over and that's your consciousness that hasn't left the earth and then you have the other folks 
have their consciousness that's kind of went to the afterlife and came back and can kind of go back and forth. So if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a ghost is like person is like waiting on the bus, still waiting on the bus to afterlife and the spirits like have the bus pass and goes back and forth. Right, right, right. Well, the curious thing, you know, is it seems like, um, you know, ghosts, I guess, if you say, haven't, for whatever reason, they haven't, they haven't crossed to the afterlife or maybe they don't want to go or they haven't realized that they're dead or something along those lines where they're just not accepting that they're dead and they don't want to move on. You know, that's one one idea and that, you know, spirits have been able to go over. Because when you look at near-death experiences, one of the things I haven't talked about yet uh, and what I'm doing on Instagram is people we people reach a boundary in a near-death experience where they got they're either told they have to go back to their bodies or they got to decide to stay. So what I'm getting at is, I don't know, like, say you die, you die in your, in your, and you, you leave your body, your soul leaves your body. Is it the same thing when you, when you're dead, dead, and you're not going to be revived? Do you have a choice to cross over officially to the afterlife? Or can you choose to say, say, well, I know my body's dead and I can't go back to my body, but I don't really don't want to go on to the afterlife either. So I kind of wonder if that happens for ghosts that decide that they don't want to officially go through the afterlife. Like, I don't know. Do you always have a decision? Because in near-death experiences, you seem to have a decision or you're told to go back. Yeah. So I don't know if you die. Say you die, but there's no way you're coming back to life. Your body's not coming back to life. At that point, do you automatically have to go to the afterlife? Or can you decide, hey, I don't want to cross over. I just want to stay where I'm at. So I don't know. <laughs> those are good. Those are something to think about. From like a from our research, it seems to be like very like dependent on how you died. Like an extremely violent death, you'd probably be sticking around for a while. Like with a, I was saying earlier, civil war, or if you're murdered or something like that. Right, right. But it makes yeah, me wonder. Like, it makes me wonder. Like why are it's all people die. Like all people die, like every day. Right. Probably, ghosts seem to be pretty rare. It seems missing. You know. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's tricky. You know, because if you talk to a medium, like a psychic medium, they say that they're around us all the time, but you just can't see them. Like. One of the things I can't, it's hard for me to understand is why if they are, if spirits are around us all the time, why don't we, kind of what you're saying is, why don't we see, why don't we get more interaction with them or why can't they interact with us more if they're truly around us all the time? <laughs> you know what I mean? It is weird. Mm-hmm. I know, it's weird. Like, why don't we have more interaction with spirits and ghosts if they're here? Because there's so many people have died over the, you know, in the in the world since the beginning of time. It's like, we're all these spirits around. How come we don't have more like interactions and all that? So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know on that one. It might be a very like specific conditions to be a ghost. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that would be my guess about it. Yeah. 
Well, that's why I always, sometimes when I'm doing investigations, I'll try to ask questions like that. Like, you know, do you know your dad? Are you, you know, what, are you able to communicate? Why can't you communicate with us all the time? Of course, I never get any answers to those things, but you try, I try to think of those kind of questions I ask, like, are there rules to where you can interact? You know, so if I ever get any answers, I'll have to make sure I post it for everybody. But, but I haven't got any answers because it is curious about, there almost seems to be like, if if you if you believe that spirits are all around us or there or there or there or there are spirits, there seems to be a reason why they can't interact more. And I kind of wonder: is there rules? Is there some kind of rules or laws you can't break, mm. <laughs> or is it just that it, you're just on a whole different plane of existence? That every now and then you're able to play. You know, every now and then our world and their world gets close enough where they can interact with us, but then it drifts apart. It's curious. I don't know. It's weird why, the, you know, they can't interact more than they do. Because, you know, sometimes you'll get some pretty, pretty solid stuff. I'll catch some amazing EVPs or, you know, you, you know, a door moves by itself or you hear loud noise or, you know, Ooh. something amazing happens. But you kind of wonder why does why can't it happen all the time? If you're able to do this now, why can't you do it more often? And so I don't know. Hmm curious i think your your idea of like the world's like sometimes like the like two um worlds like the little what's it called the well not border but fucking wall whatever think it's a little bit thinner right right the veil the veil yes thank you that's right sure yeah it gets a little bit thin and it allows them to peek in and mess around and stuff and yeah and it might be like really sporadic and rare so not very widespread so it's not very so i don't see like ghosts pushing carts in a grocery store or something like that right right well one of the curious things along the same lines that we're talking about is you know eventually with my patients and their families uh, we'll you know uh, we'll start talking about paranormal stuff and all that kind of thing so i kind of every now and then i buy i get a, a good bound a good bound bond bond i can't talk tonight bond with the patients and their family and and they're they're you know the patient they're the patient will die and then the family will stay in touch with me and they'll be like hey you know when we got back home or after so-and-so passed away we started getting all this crazy stuff happening, like lights were flickering and, you know, things are moving around, you know, things have moved from one spot to another and, and all this other stuff. But then I'll have other folks that'll have a. Hey, do you know, um, do you ever get a pain or headaches or have trouble sleeping? Maybe you need to try, I don't know, some CBD. But you may ask yourself, where can I buy CBD? Well, I'll tell you. Go to SoapyCBD.com. They have a bunch of, like, gummies and powders and lotions and stuff and they can get you all set up quick want to save some money use the code cozy you can save 10% off your order
Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Yeah. A loved one that passed away, and they won't get any signs or anything like that. So it kind of speaks to the same thing of like, you know, how is it that one situation, it seems like a family is getting a lot of, you know, they call it after death communication where you get signs from a recently deceased loved one. Some family members will get all kinds of signs and, you know, pretty incredible stuff happening. And then other people, other families won't get anything from their loved one. So it's kind of curious about why that happens. Like why is, why does it seem like one deceased spirit one deceased loved one can interact with their family well then the other one can't so i i don't know those are interesting questions that maybe we'll get the answers down the road for but yeah uh, oh have you um looked into like lycanthropy like lycanthropy i'm sorry what was that i can't like uh lycanthropy the like werewolves no, I haven't done anything with that at all. Oh. I can't think. Do you have like a... What do you... Hmm. Brains are... Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, man. I'm kind of open-minded when it comes to all this stuff. I'm a little bit skeptical about UFOs. Um, oh. You know, you know, Bigfoot, Bigfoot seems like something's going on. I don't know how with Bigfoot, I don't know how you can, well, my, my personal experiences are, you know, are pretty interesting. And then I don't know how you can discredit all the stories and all the experiences that people have had. And, you know, you've had people that are, you know, really credible people that don't have nothing to gain from talking about Bigfoot have had experiences and stuff like that. So Bigfoot seems to be something real to me. UFOs, I'm a little skeptical on that, but I also... I mean, I haven't had any personal UFO experiences, but I've, I do some people that were in the military and they said that they they can't tell me stuff because it was top secret. They had top secret um, clearances and they had seen stuff that made them think that UFOs are real, but they really couldn't tell me any details because of their security clearance and things like that. So they were, they actually, those people that my, that my military friends believed in, they said UFOs are probably more real than Ghost or Bigfoot. <laughs> So I don't know if that, how the, if that, you know, how much credit that gives to the UFOs and stuff, but yeah, didn't they? I think the governments came out like what last year about we found this thing. I don't know where it came from. I think. I see different stories where people have come forward and said that that there that the government had crash ufos and they had did reverse engineering to develop the technologies that we have now like the cell phones and you know a lot of the technology we have now was the result of reverse engineering from crash ufos and things like that so i'm not sure i don't i i'm not versed enough to speak in it it's just you know from different shows i've seen and things i've you know i've read and things like that but yeah um it's either like disinformation from like from our government to make sure the other governments don't get a don't take our technology and stuff like that when they're like working on stuff or it's probably or people are coming and visit us either one of them right right 
I'm, I'm like, I'm leaning more towards like disinformation because, you know, our government's shady like that. Like they like to be a little secrecy, especially during like the Cold War. Yeah, so, like, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, you never do know for sure. Then people who do know are like sworn to secrecy, <laughs> you know. So it's really hard to get figure out what's going on. But I think with like the Bigfoot thing is like, of course everyone say like, well we haven't found a body yet, so it's probably not real. But I always think like, ever like ever finding like a body of a of a deer, no, or died or like a wolf. Right. No, I agree with you, man. I agree. I kind of see. We know like you know like wolves and big cats and whatever and bears exist, but you never seen like a, a bear dead. No, you don't. You don't. You're right. You're right. Unless it's like hit by a car or something like that. But yeah. Well, and if Bigfoot's, I mean, if they're so close to humans, I mean, they may bury their dead, right? They may bury their dead, and I know yeah. there's some theories that maybe they they're cannibalistic or whatever, but I don't know about mm-hmm. that. But but I mean. I don't know about that. That's weird. How would they even assume that? That maybe they eat their dead. <laughs> That's why you don't find a dead or whatever. But I think uh, it's more, I, I think it'd be more likely that they bury the dead. But yeah, or they get like they um what's it called? They get like this like really like um forest. I just eat them up. Right. You know? Decompose. Decompose. Yeah. Yeah. Decompose like real fast. Yeah, there was a thing. I don't know if you saw um, one of the shows I was watching. They were, it might have been a Bigfoot show actually, like one of the one of the ones on History Channel or Discovery where they did like a hour thing about it, and they said, and that was the whole argument was that was one of the things they talked about was people's argument is that you can't find a body, but they put a deer out there and let it decompose, and it decomposed so fast. Yeah. 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 Exactly what you're saying. You know. So. Plus, it's, it's weird. Like, the only North America doesn't have like a primate, like a big primate. Right. Right. Except for like Antarctica, because that made no sense for you know, a primate to be live there. But for yeah. here, like the Pacific Northwest is like huge with forests, and it's like I can see. I can definitely see something big being living there. Yeah. Enough, 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 enough food, enough, enough area to, for it to. Well, I think even where down where you live, man, Smoky Mountains, Appalachian Mountains. Heck, yeah. when you go, for, if you go for a drive, uh, you know, like uh, every now and then, my drive to Ohio to visit family, I'll go through either through Pennsylvania or West Virginia. There's easily, I mean, you know, you're driving on a highway, but there's easily just miles of woods. It's easy. It'd be easy for something to hide out and, and stay hidden. So, I don't know. Do you watch this? Uh, have you been watching this uh, Expedition Bigfoot show? A little bit. What's going on with it? It, it looks pretty good, man. They actually, they're up in Washington now, and they they caught, they caught some heat signatures on the thermal camera. Then they, actually, I think it's it, it ended. They ended up having a forest fire, so they had to quit the, they had to stop yeah. investigating. But the last thing they saw was uh, they caught some pretty good fresh footprints that look like Bigfoot footprints. And I think one of the camera guys thought he saw like a creature duck behind the, the riverbank or something. So, but they were onto something. It seemed like. I mean, the, the footprints are 
really, really good evidence, I think. Yeah, these were fresh ones, too. They were fresh because right after this camera guy saw something, one of the guys went down there, repelled off the bridge and went down in there and found fresh footprints. So it was pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. So Mm. the problem with the TV shows, though, they just I think they do a good job. But there's just so much commotion. You know, if I was I was talking to my girlfriend this, I'm like, if I was Bigfoot and I'm living in the woods, I mean, I would know, like, it's that's like your house, right? You know when somebody's yeah. in your house, especially if they got cameras and all this noise, of course you're going to hide out, right? Yeah. You know, you might be a little curious, but you're not going to, like, be, hey, here I am. <laughs> you know, you're going to be, like, you know, trying to get out, trying to hide or keep away or protect your territory or whatever. But, um, you know, I think the show, I think the show was a good show, but I always think with all these shows, I mean, it's really hard to, it seems like Bigfoot would know you're there. Yeah, especially with, like, the whole the crew whole, and everything. Yeah, the flying the drones around, you know, doing the drone shots and stuff. You know, you almost have to be able to go in, like, by yourself or with a couple of people. Just go spend, like, a almost like what you said with ghost hunting, right? You got to go spend a lot of time, you know, spend a couple of weeks in the in that area with just a couple of people or whatever. And, yeah. you know, just like with ghost hunting, you need to spend a lot of time in a location. So. What's the longest, um... Tommy spent for guess getting a place. Trying to think. So um in Gettysburg we stayed this is a, this is a few years back with my old team. We stayed overnight. We stayed way way over the weekend. We stayed like a like a Friday night, Saturday and then left Sunday. So like for a weekend. Um now I've gone back to places like that one place I was telling you about Stonewall Jackson like Miller Kite. I've gone back there over and over again. But just for, you know, short stints. We never never really stayed the night. Um I'm trying to think where else did I stay overnight in? What was that like staying overnight in a place like that? It's it's a little bit creepy. You got to kind of like tell yourself, well, I'm just going to go to sleep and not worry, but it, it's a little hard to fall asleep cuz you're waiting for stuff to happen. Um, so it wasn't too bad though. It wasn't too bad, but it is, it's hard to fall asleep. Once you kind of fall asleep, it's okay. Yeah. You're just trying to like to say, well, I'm just, I'm going to go to sleep and I'm not going to worry if something happens and I'll, you know, deal with it when it happens. Um, try and think where else should we spend the night at? Most of the time it's like, just, it's been like, just like a one, like a, like a long night, like, you know, you go and set up in the afternoon and stay till late in the night. Um, and then lately it's been more, even shorter, like four or five hour stents. So. Um, do you, do you use, use like, um, analog stuff for, or always use like digital stuff? For, uh, for recording, for like yeah. EVPs and stuff? Yeah. I usually use digital stuff, although it's funny you mentioned that. I, um, I was go, you know, we had moved recently to a townhouse, and I was going through my stuff, and I found a, a cassette tape player. I was going to try that out when I get a chance. It's a, it's a bad, you know, a portable tape player. So I was curious to try that out and see, compare that to a digital. But I usually use digitals. I use the um, Olympus digital recorders. Um, I've had a lot of good luck with those. Um, I try to mix it up, you know. I try to use all the different equipment. I have SLS cameras, you know, the 360 X Xbox SLS cameras. I got REM pods. I got K2s. I got the periscopes that do the uh, static electricity. Um, I know it's controversial because, you know, a lot of the equipment 
well, most equipment we use for paranormal investigating has never really been definitively shown to detect ghosts, but we think that it's detecting energy that could be ghost energy. So, so I, 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 like it's detecting something. Right, used. right. Something that shouldn't be there, yeah. So, but yeah, I use all that equipment. What's from, um, which equipment of yours has been your favorite to use so far? I think, I think the more, you know, right now I like the SLS camera. If it's, if yeah. you believe it's catching, if you believe it's detecting stuff that's not, that shouldn't be there. So I like the SLS camera because you get some good visual evidence and you got to know how to use it to make sure you're not picking up on things in the environment. But that's probably one of my favorite ones. I like the REM pods too. The REM pods, um, when they don't go off, they don't go off a lot. Like a K2 will, sometimes will go off, you know, pretty easily around different um, like electrical things where REM pod doesn't go off as much um, as like a false reading. So I like the REM pods when they go off. I'm always excited when that happens. And then I think the thing that you can, sh- that you could play for people, like for me, I, I always think about what could I play for somebody who's skeptical? I think EVPs, you know, if you, when you catch good EVPs, that's something I could play for people. I've had a lot of people come, you know, they're like, ah, ghost or yeah, that's a bunch of crap. And I'm like, well, here, take a listen to this and <laughs> take a listen to that. Mm-hmm. And then it's, they just sit there dumbfounded. They're like, well, maybe that was something, you know, in the environment. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It said yes. It said no. It said a name. I'm like, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's something in the environment, but, but so EVPs are probably, I think some of the coolest evidence. And then for me, for me, that convinces me every time I catch a good EVP, I just, I'm just blown away because, you know, there's a voice there that shouldn't be there and it's there, you know? So that's, for me, I think that's pretty, it's pretty compelling when you catch good EVPs and things like that. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. EVPs are, yeah. I, I don't know how you would like have another um, explanation for EVPs, physics, when they're doing really intelligent responses to your questions. Yeah. Like, was it, like what are the chances that I'm picking up on um, some radio broadcast that happens to respond to what I'm asking at the same time? That's weird. Yeah, it's pretty low, pretty low chance. But I know there's skeptics. I know some skeptics that would say, well, you just, uh, right, you know, picked up on a radio frequency or. You know, the other thing people will say is there's something imprinted on the recording, like, you know, with digital recorders, like maybe there's some leftover recording that didn't get erased or, you know, on, you know, same thing with like um, analog tapes. Is there something on the tape that was not erased all the way? But but I agree with you. It's like, but it's answering my question. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. what's the chances of that leftover recording being exactly at the point where I asked the question? You know, I think it's. You know, yeah, I, it's 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 hard to argue away good EVPs that are that answer your questions right after you ask them. It's really tough, you know. It is. So. Do you find that um, people who have near-death experiences are they happen to have it more commonly when there's some kind of brain trauma? Not necessarily, no. Oh, like, it, could, it could be anything, yeah. It could be anything. Any, you know, you know, these. 
some of the research that's been done has been in cardiac cardiac arrests, you know, where they've had, you know, a, you know, a heart attack and died and come back, or they had heart surgery, died and come back. Um, but really, it could be, you know, anything where you where you where you're dead temporarily or pretty close to dying. But no, it's not just not just brain trauma. No, you know, and the, and this guy Jeffrey Long that I told you about earlier, Doctor Doctor Long, you know, they kind of took into the account, you know, could it be you know, low oxygen, could it be medications mm-hmm. and those kind of things. And kind of when you look at all the things, it just doesn't make sense for it to be a, you know, a result of medications or low oxygen. You know, one of the arguments is, you know, it, when the patient gets, has a low oxygen, they get confused and disoriented and, you know, they don't have organized memories or organized hallucinations you know, those kind of things. They'll have, may have, they may have hallucinations, but they're not organized. You know, people that have near-death experiences, they tell these very specific things that happen, you know, and the thing about with near-death experiences too is people have out-of-body experiences. This is one of the first parts that happens. And they're able to tell you details of what happened while they were being coded, you know, while they, while the medical team was working on them. They're also, sometimes they leave the area where their body is and go, to where their family is in a waiting room or go to a nursing station and they could tell the nurses what they were said specifically or family members what they said. So something's going on besides besides a medication effect or a lack of oxygen or something like that. So um, like aware studies and you know, um, Pin Van Lommel did like a study on cardiac arrest patients in 2001. Yeah, yeah. I love studies. I love, like I love like reading like different people who like do the research and stuff and like. Yeah, it's pretty cool because not everybody has near death experience. You know, like I think. What is it? Five to ten percent of people that have that are that are, that die and come back, or maybe it's ten to twenty percent. But not everybody. It's a small percentage of people actually have near-death experiences, because there are, there's cardiac patients who have died and came back, but they didn't have a near-death experience, where other ones have had near-death experience, and they really can't predict. It's hard to predict, you know, who's more likely to have a near-death experience, like. Is somebody that's, for example, is somebody who's religious, are they more likely to have a near-death? And it doesn't really, they really couldn't find a reason why one person has a near-death experience and another one doesn't. But the thing they did find out, find out was people who had near-death experiences, when they came back to life, it really changed their lives. Like they became, you know, better people or they really, you know, changed what they were doing. You know, if they didn't like their jobs, they changed their jobs and stuff like that. Whereas when they looked at people, cardiac arrest patients who didn't have near-death experiences, they didn't, they didn't have, they, they didn't really, it didn't affect their life like a near-death hmm. experience did, like it did with a near-death experience. So that was kind of an interesting thing too, because if you know, if it's all brain chemistry is what's causing these, then it seems like, you know, whether you have a near-death or not, you're going to still have the same brain chemistry happening, whether you died whether you're dead for 15 minutes and came back and had an NDE versus were dead for 15 minutes and had an NDE, you know, the same processes are happening in your brain, you know, when you're, have a lack of oxygen. So, but yeah, anyways, 
it's hard to know who will have them, but it seems like people that had them have really changed their lives for the most part. That's really good. So, yeah, yeah. Seems the other thing be... about the other thing about near death experiences that are pretty cool that that um kind of argue that they are something real is people that are blind, people that are blind from birth, yeah, that have had a near death experience, they can actually see in their oh. near death experience like they've never been able to see, but they can see when they're out of their bodies which is pretty incredible. And they're able to describe pretty accurately things that they see when they're out of their bodies and they had never seen before. That's incredible. Yeah. Hey guys. Um, it's me Tanner. Um, in case you didn't know, I'm also I started streaming lately, the past couple of months. I'm right now I'm streaming uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and I've done Odyssey and I've streamed Origins and I've streamed a variety of other games. So if you want to hang out with me or say what's up, then uh, come in the show. That's twitchtv g one tanner is my Twitch channel. So if you get a Say hi. What's up? Tell me about your day. I'd love to have you on. Thank you. Isn't that pretty cool? It sounds like it's very like dependent. Like people are so different. Everyone's so different, and their brain chemistry is so different. It seems like it'd be. Need more study on it, really. Like. Yeah. 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 And they're doing research. There's more research going on. There's all, you know, you know, University of Virginia is doing research. There's a guy named Dr. Sam Parnia. He's doing a bunch of research in, on the near-death experiences. And, you know, there's um, a lot of folks are doing, you know, looking at it. The, the guy, Jeffrey Long, I told you about, he's he's collecting stories and data from people that had near-death experiences. There's, there, you know, eventually we're going to have more answers. You know, I think we have more answers now than we had, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So... You know, eventually we'll have more info. There was something to it. Yeah. Oh, um, have you heard about this thing? Like they're trying to, like the MIT people or something, they're getting like able to like record dreams and stuff. No, I haven't heard that, but I'll have to, I'll have to look at that, do some re- research on that. You record and you can guide a person. Uh, MIT researchers have developed a new wearable device called Dormio that can be used to record and even guide a person's dreams. Ooh, that's cool. So maybe they, they can use that and see like what the person sees during their death experience somehow. Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be interesting, yeah. If you stay in your body, right? Yeah. You'd have to be in the body because if it's if there's if they're out of their bodies and they're not really dreaming, then yeah, you wouldn't. It'd be hard to record. Um, the Sam does like, Sam, or at least like see like what the brain is perceiving. Right, right. To see is it? Well, yeah, to see if they're dreaming. You know, that actually would be a good way to rule things out because if somebody says, "Hey, I had this experience." But then somebody was trying to record if they were dreaming, and they recorded that they weren't dreaming. 
that that would give you evidence that something else was happening because you'd be like, well, you something happened to you, but you weren't dreaming because we couldn't record anything. But yeah, that's actually would be pretty cool. Pretty cool to be able to do that. Or if you record your dreaming, then you'd be like, maybe near death experiences are just dreams, which that would that would change everything too. Yeah. <laughs> so either way, it's a good way to know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they do do um, some of the research they've done with near-death experiences is trying to see, you know, how long do you have brain activity after you lose blood flow to the brain? So trying to see, is it possible that the brain, you know, lives longer than we think? So that's one of the things that they're looking at, too. They realize that sometimes the brain lives a little bit longer, but it still doesn't explain the near-death experiences and all that kind of thing. Yeah, especially with, like, like we're saying, like people who have been born blind their whole life and they're seeing something. Like, how would you be able to right. see? Right. I don't understand. Right. And then the uh, the other argument, too, is that the experiences that people have during these are just so – they're so detailed and they're so organized. You know, whereas if your brain is dying, it's going to be a mush. It's going to be like a lot of confusion and disorganization that it, it doesn't make sense that a dying brain is going to have these amazingly organized experiences that, it, that you're able to come back and share those, you know, in a, in an organized fashion. So, um, cause even like our dreams sometimes are scattered, you know, if you have like a dream, yeah. sometimes you remember it really well, but then it skips around, right? You're like, I was dreaming this and that was this, and I forgot that. And people come back from near death experiences like, yeah, I saw my mom, my dad, and, saw this i saw that i had those feelings i had this <laughs> you know it's like it's like something different going on than a dream or than a than an effect of a than a dying brain i think the like, idea of like the brain living on a little bit longer than we thought is a, that makes sense because i don't know if you've ever been like on a farm or something but you know, like you check on a, like a chicken cut a chicken's head off it runs around for a little bit you know? Right, right, right. Maybe it's the same. Mm. This is exactly the same idea, same concept, but same idea. Yes, yeah. Well, they realize that. So, in some of the studies with the brain, that there is some activity left, but the activity is coming from the brain stem. You know, the brain stem is like our oldest part of our brain that's controls like our reflexes and our breathing and our heart rate, but it doesn't yeah. control like. It doesn't awesome. control like, a, yes, it doesn't control our deep thoughts or our, you know, the the the, um, the cerebrum, you know, the cerebrum doesn't have any activity, but they're still maybe picking up on activity from the brain, from the brainstem that kind of, that's probably what happens with the chicken is it's, you know, still has that instinct to run just because yeah. it's an inborn reflex opposed to a thought process going on. So, but yeah, good talks, man. Good talk. Yeah, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm checking on time. Oh, damn. You know. So, how how's it been? Like, have there been any studies done for like um, psychics or mediums? So there are some. There are research. There's research has been done. Now I can't speak real intelligently to it, but I know there's different pro- programs that have um, that have looked at it. Um, in fact, University of Virginia. In Charlottesville, they uh, what they have a uh, it's it's called the the uh, division of perceptual studies, and they look at so they look at near death experiences. They look at ch- children with previous lives. 
they look at mediums and psychic abilities and things like that. And I don't know if people know it, but there's been a lot of university-based programs. Not a lot of them are around anymore, but UVA is one of them. The University of Arizona has a parapsychology program. Um, so but there used to be a lot of like, like Harvard had one and Duke had one and, you know, um, University of California, you know, UCLA, they all, so there used to be a lot of different programs, university-based programs that would study, uh, psychic abilities and things like that. So, um, I know there was some studies out of Duke where where they, they felt that ESP was probably something real. As far as the mediumship, I'm not sure. I can't. I can't. I can't think of this. Any. I don't know enough about the medium experiments to know. You know if they what they found out for those. Um, but go ahead. I'm sorry. What were you gonna say? Uh, I was looking at these publications from Division of Perceptual Studies. They did like uh, stuff on like reincarnation. I'm sorry. Uh, reincarnation. Yeah. And yeah. That's really. Yeah, they you ever, start. You ever heard a story about that one, like uh, Egyptian museum lady, who thought she was like a resurrected like priestess from Egypt? Yeah, Israel. yeah, yeah. That was really interesting. I like. What, what were you saying? Sorry. So yeah, so the so the University of Virginia program started by um, it got started mm-hmm. by Doctor Ian Stevenson. And he started out looking at children with previous lives because he was interested in, does the consciousness survive um, our bodies and things. And so children, there's they've done research with children who have these amazing stories of a previous life, like a fighter pilot or an actor, something along those lines. And a lot of the stories they can verify by old records, like things that the kid talks about, yeah. they're able to go back and like find like, you know, old addresses or old friends or old information that they can actually verify that what the kid's talking about is real. And the kids shouldn't know this stuff. These are like, you know, four year old, five year old kids, you know, even maybe a little younger, but they're telling, talking about all these crazy things they are, they experienced and that they start looking into it. And here, you know, it turns out they were talking about a previous life. Now it seems like as the kids get older, they kind of lose those memories you know, and they can't remember it as well as they can when they were a kid. <clears throat> but yeah, there's been a lot of research. Um, Dr. Ian Stevenson started it, and then Dr. Tucker is continuing it now. Uh, I think it's Jim Tucker. Is he does uh, reincarnation studies? So that's pretty interesting too. That's another that's another angle at looking at does our consciousness survive our bodies? You know, because these, like I said, these kids are seem to have these lives that they shouldn't know about that they they do know about, and and it's pretty interesting. But they've done. It seems like there's something to it. There is. There is. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. Like, how? Like, how would you go about doing it though? How would you study it, or how would you be reincarnated? (laughs) How would you study it? Well, they go investigate these stories. You know, like. um, If you look at a, there's a show on Netflix. It's um, surviving death. I think it's called surviving death. And they actually have Dr. So they actually, it's a, I think it's six episodes and they address uh, near death experiences, reincarnation. They talk about mediumship, ghost hunting and stuff like that. But um, Tucker, Dr. Jim Tucker. And then it does uh, 
the reincarnation studies and then Dr. Uh, Bruce Grison does the near-death experiences. But they basically just go talk to people and then you verify. Like one And, the, and one of the stories on that show, um, Dr. Tucker was able to find pictures. This little little boy was talking about he had another mama and he lived in a, and he used to go to the park and play and all this other stuff. And they were able to like dig up these pictures and photos. And the, and the kid was like, yep, that's my mama. Yep. That's where I used to go. And this and that. And there was like five different things. They were able to verify that the kid was saying that he should have known he was too little to know the stuff he knew, but he was able to point out photographs of five different things. I think it was like, his mom, previous mom, his dad, I think the playground he used to go to and some other stuff, but it was, it was pretty neat. So they're able to, it's these, you know, they're able to verify some of the information the kids are telling them. And that's, what's compelling about it is they can go back in the records and like find stuff about that, that, that this kid's telling the truth and there's no way the kid should know it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's kind of curious. Hey, um, hello there. Um, thank you for listening to this episode of the Cozy Cryptid. I've been your host, Tanner. I want to thank you, everyone, for listening and sharing this episode. And for saying hi on social medias, like Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And Twitter. Also, thank you so much for everybody I work with. Uh, my podcast, like Maduri77 on Instagram, and my writer, and Matt for the music you hear on this episode. And if you have any questions or any stories you want to submit to the show, I remind you again that you can just message me on uh, social media, or this. you can also like record a voice message. Down below, there should be a link. Like, we can, it's free, and you want to be in a show yourself, you can do that. And, or if you want to be a guest, let me know, and I'll get in contact with you as soon as humanly possible. But, uh, thank you. Also, don't forget to buy some merch. We have shirts, t shirts, uh, hoodies. Uh, fanny packs, water bottles, and probably getting some new stuff here soon. But let's check it out. We can get all that. Get 25% off your order when you use the checkout code COZY. But once again, thank you. And new episodes, more Mexico episodes are coming up. So get forward to that. So shout out to GameTech and shout out to everybody on Twitch, like Redrobe and Redman and Huckle Lux, Lux and uh, sound like a dude. All that. Thank you. Also. 
Hey, uh, last podcast and I left. I've come for your spot, dude. I've come for your spot. I'm gonna be coming for you. I'm coming for your spot. Last podcast and I left. Those who know who know. It's like looking at your Instagram. What's that Bigfoot beer? How's that Bigfoot beer you had? Oh, that Bigfoot beer? It was pretty yeah. good. It's strong, man. It's a brandy. It's a brandy wine. It's a brandy ale or brandy wine ale or brandy ale. It's pretty strong, man. It's good, but it's it's got it's a uh, it's got a punch to it. <laughs> I had like a. A really good beer, really good craft beer last weekend, and the, oh. it blew my mind. It's like all we have around here is like Bud Light and stuff. Yeah, like that. it's like, oh, this is what this is a good beer. It is what it's crazy. I can't even believe this. I thought all beer tastes like piss. Yeah, <laughs> no, craft beers are good. Craft beers are good. You know, there were some good ones. I don't know if you're close to Asheville, Asheville, North Carolina. They got a bunch of craft breweries down there. But um, yeah, up here in Virginia, up by Charlottesville, we got a bunch of craft breweries. You could easily uh, you could, you could put on a lot of weight because you know the craft beers are really good, but they got a lot of calories in them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we got I don't know. I'm trying to think right now. Probably not. Probably within like a half an hour to 45 minutes. There's probably like shoot, six or seven craft breweries around here. Then we also got wine. So we got winery. We got we're in a by Charlottesville is a bunch of wine too. So there's wine, and then there's a couple of distilleries too that make their own, their own you know bourbons and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, now I think about it, I'm like a, I'm ex, there was like surrounded by alcohol over here. Yeah, <laughs> wineries and breweries and uh, whiskey places. <laughs> yeah, we got down here. We got like wineries and I don't know if we have any breweries, but. There's some moonshiners, of course, here. I bet, I bet. Are you are you in the Smoky Mountains or? or uh, I'm like, something how far am I? I'm like a couple hours from the Smokies. Oh, like, in, I'm like in the middle, Tennessee. Okay, I got you. I'm like, it's like two hours to Nashville, two hours to the mountains. So I'm like, I'm right in the, right in the middle, pretty much. Oh wow, I've been to Nashville once. Nashville's a pretty cool place. That was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I've been there like on field trips. You see, like the capital and stuff. Yeah, but it's weird. Capital is weird. It's like it's... I'm like I'm from a small town and like big national city. It's like oh, this is a big city. Like, uh, I don't know if I can live here. <laughs> yeah, that would be a shocker. I know what you mean, man. After living in Charlottesville, it's like when I get up by D.C. area, Washington D.C., I get a little nervous. I'm like, oh, man, I just, it's too much traffic. It's too big. <laughs> I think it's... You come back on. You should. Okay. Sure thing, man. I'm hungry. I have some steak here. <laughs> all right, man. Yeah, yeah I, may, uh, I may have to go, too. I actually got to run to use the restroom and all that, so. Oh, yeah, of course, man. Thank you, but so much for having me on. 
yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It was good, uh, good questions, good conversations. Thank you. So your Instagram, where can people find your Instagram? Oh, hey, so let me tell you about my site. So yeah, so Instagram is uh, it's haunted under MD? haunted yeah haunted MD space, and then then if you really like what you see on Instagram, check out my Facebook page. I have a Facebook page called it's called Haunted MD H. Or capital H A U N T, you know, haunted, and then M period D period. That was my original site that I started on, and I post on theirs and Instagram. But my Instagram has only been up for about a year or so. My haunted MD page goes all the way back to May of 2018. I've posted all kinds of interesting evidence, interesting, I do interesting posts about like psychic abilities and the pineal gland and things like that. So there's all that on there if you go, if you page back through, and then. That's my that's on Facebook. And then on YouTube, I have Don Molnar Haunted MD. Um, the YouTube page is it's I usually post similar stuff to what I put on Instagram, but that also the haunted Don Molnar Haunted MD uh, YouTube goes back quite a bit farther than Instagram. So I have a bunch of interesting posts on there. Um, sometimes I do I do post about like how do you how do you use a K2 meter and things like that. Um, so I got posts like that on on my Facebook page and my YouTube page. So yeah, that's how you can get a hold of me. I, eventually I'm hoping to have a, a, a website. I just haven't finished that off yet. You got anything else coming up this coming up recently or not recently, but um, soon I'm doing some more podcasts. I got one on Tuesday night I'm doing. Um, I'm not sure when it's going to air. Then there's one on Friday night I'm doing too. Um, try and think what else. Um, Another there's a podcast in April. I'm doing towards the end of April on the 21st. Um, Prairieland. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's this Prairie. Let me see. I should posted that on my thing. Um, let me look at my. Hang on. Hold on a second. Um. So yeah, um, so, uh, Tuesday is Kelly's Unexplained. Yeah. April 2nd is Prairieland Paranormal Podcast, and then uh, the, yeah, then then April 21st is um. Paranormal Brew. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and then uh, I'm, I started writing a book, but I kind of stalled, stalled out. But I'm hoping to maybe get back to doing that. Kind of a haunted MD book about my experiences growing up and then a, experiences being a doctor who ghost hunts. That'd be... Um, let me know when you're done with that so I can buy it. Oh, um, thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> I want to read that so bad. I got to get back at it. I start, I had a really good start. I really got like a really good start at it. Then I kind of fizzled out and now I'm trying to get motivated to get back to it again. Um, so yeah, hopefully maybe in the next year or two, we'll have a haunted, haunted MD book out. <laughs> okay. So like starting to like, start writing a book like years ago, like one, like one paragraph. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it is hard, man. It's hard to keep motivated, man. It's hard to keep motivated. That's for sure. Man, but thank you. I'll let you go so you don't like piss your pants or something. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> All right, hey man, thanks so much for having me on. It was a good show. Thank you. All right, bye bye.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.